0: interrupt our program
1: to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be
0: afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls
1: and gore and sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. welcome everybody to my bloody podcast oh got a wonderful kind of a legend show today that i'm so surprised and shocked and odd birdemic style that we have not done this on my bloody podcast and it's you know 130 episodes it's crazy to me it's insane it's february 24th i'm brian kluger and i'm joined by the host with the most the man who i like to go um grave robbing with in texas preston barta how are you Mm. sir good
0: good head cheese was what's for breakfast
1: it is! Every day. A head brie cheese, a head cheddar cheese, even a head Swiss cheese. We don't know where we're going. <laughs> we are doing the original, the OG Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. we I hear something. Stop! Stop! This is the movie that is just as real. just as close. Crazy. You gotta make us stop! Just as terrifying as being there. Please, please please. Even if one of them survives, what will be left? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After you stop screaming, you'll start talking about it. Very excited about this. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, of course, released october 11th 1974 so right around the halloween time perfect really directed by toby hooper written by kim hinkle and toby hooper and starring marilyn burns paul partain edwin neal jim sidow and the legend Gunnar hansen and then if you remember the narration at the beginning the film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths. John Larroquette did that. The actor, the famous actor, John Larroquette, who was paid. How was he paid? Do you remember how he was paid, Preston?
0: Head cheese? Roll another blunt.
1: Almost had cheese. No, he was paid in some marijuana <laughs> to do the narration. So, kudos. Uh, this movie was banned in many countries, and... Uh, it still is talked about today. There, It has spawned many sequels, many prequels, comic books. Oddly, it's never spawned a TV series, but maybe at some point it will. But we're going to talk about this OG one. So both of us were not alive when this movie released. I'm trying to remember the actual first time I watched it, and I am I don't even remember the first time I ever watched this. I just remember like really liking it when I did see it. <laughs> like I mean, I don't remember like the first like I don't think I was 10. I don't I don't remember, but I remember like, oh hell yeah, this movie's great. I've seen it over a hundred times and just loving it, not just for kind of its story, uh, even if you can tell like there is a story, but man, just like a, a young Sam Raimi or a young Toby Hooper With a limited budget, Toby Hooper just, I don't know how he managed to get some of these camera shots in this movie with what he had, but that dude is an artist. (laughs) With some iconic, iconic camera shots uh, that would go on with horror forever still today. Uh, Do you remember, Preston, when you first saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre?
0: No, I can't pinpoint the exact time and place that i was i don't remember if i was watching it in the company of my friends because usually that's what you do when especially when you're in high school i I do want to say it was high school i i must have rented it from my payless video store speaking of which i just got this sticker the other day it's a payless <laughs> video a sticker <laughs> that that was being sold at a store in downtown Denton, so that uh did texas so um yeah, it must, I must have rented it from there when I was in high school. Um, there's, I had too much curiosity because my dad works at a small engine repair shop and chainsaws are pretty much pretty common to to come in. And so my dad would reference it all the time. It's like, oh, this is the exact chainsaw that they used in a Texas chainsaw massacre. Oh, what is that? So that, that kind of led me down that path. Um but yeah, I don't remember if I watched it with him or or what. But I do. You just kind of the feelings carry. There's a history with the feelings that it uh, evokes. Like I can remember feeling absolutely disturbed by it, and so that's that's kind of what what I remember most is just being completely disturbed.
1: I'm trying to remember if I was really disturbed in a way that. I mean, you say you were really disturbed. I'm trying to think Mm -hmm. because we'll get into it on how the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, while it is violent, it is pretty visceral in a way. But blood-wise, gory-wise, entrails-wise, there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of that in this movie that you would see in maybe later sequels or any other horror movie. There is mood and atmosphere. It is mood and atmosphere. And what's good about this movie is that it builds on its suspense and dread. And like the final 20, 25 minutes of this movie is just, it just goes. It just nonstop screams and torture and weirdness. Almost kind of like, it's almost how... Toby Hooper framed and shot these sequences is almost kind of like a ballet of in editing, horror. Yeah, an yeah, editing of, of horror and terror of how he did these shots. But, oh my God, I can't believe it's been 50 years. People still watch this. It's still being released. We have had... 20 releases of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and not one Blu-ray release of The Abyss or True Lies. (laughs) Okay, so with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, what is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? You know, the opening credits, the narration saying this is a true story, it happened in Texas – And there's a story behind that, because Mm -hmm. when George Romero was making this or thinking of this story, you know, he was working as a documentary crew in Texas. He was hearing stories about things. And then, of course, the Ed Gein serial killer, which was a very big um, inspiration for this movie, as well as Psycho and Silence of the Lambs. Kind of took place with this. He's like, "Oh, if we make it a true story, and you know, the government lies to us all the time, so maybe I'll put this in, and you know, we'll have that little aspect there." And it it works because people look like, "Oh my god, this is real." And even today, when people not from Texas, you know, will say like, "Is Texas Chainsaw Massacre real?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, no, but you know, it was based on you know a couple serial killers or whatever, not in Texas." But I mean, it's, you know, the stereotypical horror movie setup, you know, a group of, you know, young college age kids having a, a, you know, a vacation, like a spring break type of thing, a summer break, cross country driving and uh, they pull over and they go see one of their old houses in Texas. And then from there, they meet this, uh, come across this family that is uh, to lightly say uncouth unsavory <laughs> and uh, just goes from there one by one. So that's kind of like the gist of like a log line for the movie. Um, so when watching this, Preston, what what are your thoughts going into this movie as far as like, as you're watching it, did, did, does it ever slow pace for you or does it, when you're watching this and you say that it. It not scarred you but mm-hmm. like where where is your mind when you're watching this like as when you maybe started first watching it as opposed to when you just watched it yesterday or you know the day before
0: i would say probably when i was younger i wasn't as disturbed by it uh compared to now because i think There's a couple of years ago, I went to the drive in with my wife and we went to go see Nightmare on Elm Street. And it was a double showing with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and she had never seen it before. And so they showed Nightmare first, and we watched uh, Chainsaw after. And she hated it. She really hates this movie. Like um, we were watching on Shudder, there's this great series called uh, 101 Greatest Horror Movie Moments or Horror Moments they do tv too um and it ended up spoiler alert it ended up being number one on the list like as the has the either the scariest movie ever made or also uh just has the most the scariest moments so probably when i was a kid i think you get you get wrapped up in in the And the torture that's there, the chase and everything, all those elements of horror that we've come to know over time that this movie pretty much sparked. Um, And then watching it yesterday, I connect on it with it in different ways. And so I would say that it, it does not have an ounce of fat on it it just it's it's like 80 minutes or something like that and it moves very quickly and even in the beginning moments where they're just kind of hanging out they're in their van they're they have a purpose they're traveling to go visit the fam uh, the house of their family but also there's there's all these neat little details laid down such as there have been uh, grave robbings in the area and they want to make sure that their their grandfather, I believe, his remains are still there. Everything's intact and they can go to the house and visit and, it, and it's all good. Um, so there's all these little details laid down that kind of come into the picture later full circle. And it's just these conversations that they have. Like it doesn't feel like they're... Provide an exposition, no knock towards Friday the 13th because it's a little bit different. But, you know, Friday the 13th, they're like, oh, yeah, Jason used to live here and he got he drowned over here and kids beat him up. And it's like every movie has to start with that because it's, you know, it's an urban legend, so to speak. And they're trying to create this fear and anxiety over it. And so here it's just like kids stumbling into a situation that they had no idea, no way of anticipating it. But as an audience, when you're watching it and you're seeing like one of the girls, Pam, talk about horoscopes and uh, she's reading an astrology book and it's talking about Saturn and how like all these little series of bad omens, like what they're stepping into, it's just giving feeding you as an audience member all these little details to feel uneasy about even if you didn't know that the movie was called texas chainsaw massacre you'd be watching this so if you didn't know the title you'd be watching it and you'd be like i I don't don't know i don't know what to expect but all these little things kind of build that up
1: right you know it it does and even even the shots are awkward in this movie and you're just like something's going to happen a dead
0: a dead armadillo on its back which by the way I watched one of the documentaries on this new release, and I think it's been previously released. It's probably on the one that the German version that you have. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Shocking Truth, it has like all the actors in it. Um, they're they're older. I think it was probably like 20 something years ago it was made. Um but then they had like the props guy or the production designer, the guy who like creates all the little things that's in it. And he found that armadillo on the side of the road when he was driving home and like taxidermied it. Like, just re- <laughs> he, he just read a book or something real quickly and learned how to do that. And even that was disturbing to me that this guy's like, but I guess when you're that fired up about making a movie and you're trying to create. Shock of your own. It fits. I don't know if I would go to that level, but uh, so yeah. In addition, all the imagery throughout the way that it's cut, continue in sound, continue that that feeling of these two. In addition to the dialogue that the characters have.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's it's all there, and it, and it's done so. Almost like Art. softly. Uh, Artful. beca-
0: Very artfully. Yeah. Yes,
1: it is. And, you know, and it kind of is the way to that, that it's done artfully and uh, softly as those last 20 minutes of the movie are just insane chaos. Unhinged. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I remember, you know, watching it, you know, back in the day, you know, in, in middle school, high school, you're in college, you know, you're you i'm just like yes this movie is great and now watching it now over the last year or two i'm just more like man this is this is intense and as am i getting soft no i'm not getting soft in my old age i still like seeing this stuff but it's you know you i think you put yourself more in these positions yeah. and you know what's interesting you know only a few horror movies can do this but um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of them. It might be one of the first ones to do it, but where you actually kind of root for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre family, like people really like Leatherface, they like these characters so much, or they become so ingrained uh, that well, it's kind of like
0: it's kind of like the Charles Manson thing. Like after that, people were kind of turning them into uh, popularized people, like they <laughs> were being celebrated, and so. Uh, that's kind of like the effect that this movie's had on on history. That people uh, celebrate and kind of love them, even though they're fucked up.
1: Yeah, it's true. And like you, even you know, even in the sequel, they you know posted the family as a picture of like the Breakfast, breakfast club, club. You know, oh, yeah, okay. it's just it, they're they're hot commodities. And I mean, you can you can kind of and we'll get into the characters of this family in a bit um but there's only one character in the family you know the main one leather face that you could maybe uh sympathize with mm-hmm. more so in sequels or remakes or whatever but here kind of mm-hmm. um
0: because you can tell that he's scared too like right there, there's like a rustiness there's nothing Super calculated about what he does. Like, even the first kill of the movie is so haunting nowadays because it's not like other movies where the killer is like many steps ahead of the people people like they the the victims fall into his or her trap and everything's planned out like they they know where this person's going to be it just has that feeling but this one not so much like leatherface it's pretty clear like he's like shocked that this person's even in their house like they probably have to go chase down all the people that they either consume or turn into lampshades or turn into art pieces. And here is a different story because it's just like, oh, you just walked right in here. This hasn't happened yet. And the, the beginning of the movie, they were setting up how they kill, like, by the way, how you can still eat meat after watching this movie. Uh, I don't know, but I still do because they, they perfectly set up how they used to slaughter cows and pigs back then because uh franklin's character who's in the wheelchair he's talking about like how his uncle in fort worth used to kill them and then you of course have the hitchhiker that's also they have a history of working at the slaughterhouse and how Uh, nowadays in in the 70s they killed them no country for old men style with the uh, the air gun that would shoot a rod and so Franklin talks about how they do that in that sequence and then before then they would hit him with the hammer and it took several blows sometimes to kill the livestock and That is replicated through Leatherface during the first victim, stepping in through the door, seeing who's in the house, and then he just comes around the corner, shocked that he's there, hits him with the, the hammer, he falls to the ground and kind of shakes as... I imagine a cow would if it got hit. It's It has like this disturbing feeling in the same way that Terminator 2, when Todd gets the knife in his eye, like the, the finger when he gets the blade right through his eye, and he's just kind of shaking like his brain's still kicking, but his body's dying. Yep. Um, so it's really, really crazy. And it has that kind of feeling to it. And so that's what makes it really disturbing with the period at the end of the sentence being the way that he slams the door.
1: That period at the end of the sentence of him violently slamming the door just makes it all better. Like, it's just like, oh! good god <laughs> it's yeah, just like
0: you don't need to, what's his plans with the body after that. yeah um so and, and like they installed that metal door in their house yeah, it's it's just crazy it just kind of gets the the brain going i think at some point um people have said maybe it was even roger ebert but some critics have said that you know after watching the movie you just think about it um and that's what it is. Like there's all these moments throughout the film that just like you're shown something that's completely shocking. Um, And while, yes, it does not show intense gore like whenever it comes to the attacks themselves, it shows things either off screen or shows some kind of image to match it, such as the dinner sequence at the very end. The way that it's cut together, like we said, it'll show like a skull on the table or something to kind of just keep that feeling going without having to show penetration itself. Um, So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So let's talk about, uh, we're going to talk about both sides here of the characters. We're going to start with the the college kids um, and kind of like what they are. So you have Sally, you have Jerry, you have Kirk, you have Pam, and you have Franklin. Um, and, two couples you know, and a, a brother. Think, yeah, two right? couples and a brother. And any, all of them, you know, they're, they're give or take. They're not necessarily too friendly or nice but you know that's the early 70s they're still in their groovy days and um they're all right and so franklin we have to talk about franklin played by paul partain um franklin might be i don't know one of the most annoying characters in cinema just the poor guy just can't catch a break he's just but he brings it on himself a little bit. <laughs> like, what are your thoughts of this character, Franklin? Come on, Franklin.
0: It's going to be a fun trip. Oh, man, it's hot,
1: baby. Sally, they took the keys. We don't have any keys. Sally!
0: Yeah, he's not quite... He's not quite a uh, private Hudson from aliens like Bill Paxton's character who has to be probably the most annoying character in cinema. Um, he there, there's still a relatability to him like he's just paranoid you don't know why I think you find out later that he's always been a handicapped person but at this at at the beginning you don't know like maybe he was in Vietnam Um, and that was just like a common thing that happened uh, in people's friends groups like they would come back from war and it's just like a very sad reality now but in and and maybe there's just like a lot of things kind of going on in his mind but there's he remains interesting in spite of his annoyances because like with the hitchhiker for instance when they pull over and they allow this hitchhiker to come on he develops some anxiety about like what, what the meaning is. And that, that that's what that's us as an audience. Like we're trying to discover the meaning of all this. Like sometimes you just can't, people are crazy and evil for the sake of being crazy and evil. He's like freaking out. He's constantly questioning like, oh, there's blood on this knife. And he's like bringing the same question up over and over again. Like uh, there's at one point when the hitchhiker gets out of the car to the point where things kind of get messed up and they can't handle it anymore. They kick him out of the car and he like tags the car. You kind of wondered like, whoa, did he just tag that car so like whenever they stumble into town they know okay these people are bad news do not let them go through maybe i don't know but he's even reading into it he's like do you think he did this on purpose do you think that he's trying to kill me and so um it's like he's trying to create create in the beginning trying to create a rise out of his friends in in because he tells that story about the the livestock and the slaughterhouse and everything and that's just kind of trying to get a rise out of his friends and just be and stand out because he knows that at a certain point yeah they're going to get to the house and it's going to be like how it was in the movie where he's by himself he's like i was about to make a really bad pun but i'm not going to go for it do you know what pun i was going to make i'll let you take the credit for it
1: no no what pun are you going to make you go for it do it burn
0: burn in hell all right he's the third wheel
1: Um... (laughs) there it is
0: Uh, okay (laughs) write mean comments at me sure um anyway um so yeah like he's just he's just a really annoying character but his anxiety is rooted in truth and so you kind of understand him at the same level too because you feel his frustration because he's at his most annoying when he's in the house and all the couples are upstairs they're kind of investigating the house and everything um not, not the killer's house they're their, their grandfather's house right is it their grandfather or is it their
1: father i can't remember it, it's, it's their grandfather
0: okay so it is their grandfather so they're upstairs and they're laughing and having a good time and he's like <laughs> and he's like doing blowing raspberries and everything and you're like jesus christ dude but you also understand like he probably feels that quite quite a bit
1: right yeah I I think there is like a little bit of sympathy for him but the way he goes about it is I mean it's comical for sure and you know the other friends are more or less you know quieter and their only thing their, their only motive is to you know basically get laid and have fun you know in this place that they stopped at for a little bit you know they'd have no intention of staying there overnight they just weren't like oh there's a watering hole we're gonna go down there for an hour or two and then come back and get on the road again so that's when things kind of take a turn as these these two other couples are trying to have fun and enjoy themselves franklin is still worried he's the most insane and the most sane here because i think he is the only one that kind of can foresee like something's off about this where the like he's up-
0: kind of taken it away from pam because pam's like reading like i said reading those horoscopes and it's just like something just fe- doesn't feel right and then he kind of takes it on in him a- and starts to question everything that has happened like that hitchhiker really got to him because he was right there and at a, at a certain point like he was like kind of like almost poking him to kind of like do this dance monkey dance type of thing. Like just how messed up is, could this get And to the point where it's like, no, I don't really have a handle on this anymore. And he's haunted by it for the first time in his life. Like maybe he's been talking a big game his whole life to feel above everybody, but now it's caught up with him and is really, really consuming his mind at this point.
1: Yeah, no, it's Franklin is a crazy character. Um, There's more to him than just what we see, I think. And with the others, you know, maybe besides Sally, um, I think they're just there to serve as probably meat, basically.
0: Like Jerry's the driver and there's not much to him. They're the people that... I'm just investigating like they're the ones that kind of go in first they're the guinea pigs of this entire scenario uh kirk has a little more to him because he's kind of questioning a little bit too about what's going on he's also like the one that's like all right we got to get it like the, enough is enough kind of thing uh when it came to the hitchhiker being in the van, but he also has like this nice play and banter with franklin too where he's messes with franklin too so It's like each one of them have personalities and they're not stereotypes. And I think that's what separates it from other movies where you do see stereotypes. You see the jock, you see the nerd, and you see all this type of stuff, the the Scooby-Doo type of thing. And then like here, they just really do feel like five friends that are hanging out and they're just having normal conversations and there's not... There's no dialogue or no uh, exposition really sprinkled in there. Like I said, with the Friday the 13th style, they're just normal people.
1: It yeah, is just normal people. And that's what makes it feel real. Yeah. Um. So you have this group and then you have the other group, which is the family. Yeah. Um. And you have the hitchhiker. Yeah. You have Leatherface. You have uh, the grandfather. And then you have kind of like the 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 dad i guess the 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 old man as you could say um so we first meet the hitchhiker and you know franklin describes him as dracula and he just looks unkempt and undisheveled and he's just he has this way of talking that's just jittery and you know not really of this world and this like the weird mannerisms and he's like looking at the people in the car when he gets in for like acceptance and smiling after he does weird stuff. He's batshit basically. And then of course you have the old man who runs a gas station. He runs a barbecue joint, which I guess might not be just animal barbecue. <laughs> but he has a he has, you know, a little more uh layers to him because a little more meat on the bone yes yes he has um you, you got all the puns today and i love it um he talks in the movie even even says like he doesn't he doesn't have the killing gene in him he has definitely an abusive tendency to him but he does not like to kill people which is all sorts of interesting and then you have the grandfather which is just you just hear stories about him very quickly. Is <laughs> just a corpse of a guy who's barely hanging on to life. And then you have Leatherface, the quintessential mascot for this series, who may or may not be a great, lovely person, but was so abused by this family and tortured that he just, this is all he knows. And just like Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill, he wears human skin on his face to discuss to hide his disfigurement by either birth or by abuse. Uh, there's and... a lot to read
0: into with him because he's the one that's doing most of the action here. He's the one that's killing people, but you can, you can tell cause there's a really great moment where after he kills someone, he kind of just goes by the window and sits with that feeling. But you also see that, there's maybe a little bit of compassion that he has for the people that he takes their lives from. Cause he kind of dons their personalities too. Cause you can see that with the skin that he puts on, like sometimes like the last moment he's has makeup on it. And so in, in the way, the way that he squeals and so the way that he talks, uh, cause he doesn't say very much. You can just kind of heal, like hear some mumbling, but you can hear a rise in his voice or something that just kind of cues you into believing that maybe he does have some sort of feelings towards what he's doing in this very bizarre way.
1: His character and they, they kind of focus on it more in sequels. They focus up on him more in remakes or even prequels with it, but Leatherface, like there's a reason he's the mascot. He is so interesting to watch his mannerisms, his, his body language and how passionate he is for what he does but also there's a sincerity to what he does i don't know i it's hard to explain right
0: yeah because you can you can tell like kind of going through the characters a little again so you have the old man that was at the gas station and so he has like he's capable of doing things that are messed up like he likes to create the feeling so he's like the primer for getting people riled up And uh, for what violence that may unfold by the end of it, I don't, I don't really want any part of this. Like he says, like he wants to go open the window and do all these things. He just, he wants it to be over quickly. Like he can only take so much. So he has that human side to him as well. While the hitchhiker, he... He's like i'll do it like i don't care like he just has no no trace of humanity in him whatsoever right and, and he the,
1: even like chastises the old man uh for like not doing anything like the hitchhiker says like i do everything like what do you do you cook you're you're the cook you cook things
0: yeah yeah like he really wants to be the new legend himself like he because everybody talks a big game about the grandfather and how, like, he used to kill, I think they were talking about animals in this scenario, but, like, killed 60 animals in a Five minutes, just,
1: five minutes, yeah, 60 yeah, five, animals in five minutes, yeah.
0: So, yeah, like they they've talked so much about him and so now the hitchhiker wants to be talked about in that same way and he's he's almost got this kylo ren mentality too (laughs) so yeah he's he's easily the most disturbing character to me because because he's the one that's doing all the grave robbing stuff that that's what you can kind of pick up from and he's creating all the art pieces probably around the house to have skulls and feathers and all kinds of things like everything that's probably the most messed up in the house is from his creation uh in addition to Leatherface and so it's like this small competition that's going on to who's going to be the next granddad here that that's just interesting to me that so much of this can be communicated within 80 minutes and such not a lot of, a whole lot of screen time you can just kind of pick up on these things and read into it but There have been a lot of great articles and video essays and things that maybe it wasn't the film. Maybe it wasn't Toby Hooper's intention for it to have that mystery to it or um, to to have that mystery, but maybe not have that intention, that exact intention behind it. Um, And that's always been that's what makes it last over all these years, in addition to having all that the the images and everything that it just is so mysterious and we can talk about it and read into these things and that's
1: scary. It it is and because just like Preston said, you know, this family's house is like decorated with skulls and bones, even like the couches are outlined in animal and human remains and you know that could been that could have been just you know an example of oh that's what Ed Gein actually did because that's what he did and that's why they put it in there. But you know when you see the hitchhiker in the car, he has that artistic ability of like taking pictures and it's a good picture and he, like he's like the artistic yeah. one. he's yeah, drawing he, things even, on the van. <laughs> yeah, and
0: he even has like that little pouch that's made out of like hide or something like you can just tell like hey they're they're a very sustainable family despite what they're doing like even the grandfather who knows how old he is he's got to be upwards of a hundred and uh i guess uh eating humans does the trick
1: does it does the trick he's still alive and it's just like yeah mate yeah that hitchhiker is probably the one that decorated the house and it's just and it's and it's chaotic and it's and it's crazy and then you have like Leatherface who basically is like the the blunt instrument to carry it out. Um, but like the, the interaction between these three people, the Leatherface, the hitchhiker and the old man. I mean, it's not friendly. It is chaotic. It is abusive. It's constant yelling. It's blaming everybody else. Like it's, and you see that. Leatherface just takes it. Like he just, he's like the little child in this. Who's just doesn't know anything else but this you know yeah he's kind of like
0: the abused dog like the the dog that just gets hit over and over but yet still has love for the owner and it's just really messed up and that's that's what makes it even more disturbing to me because uh like i was saying at the top after all these years like you really I don't know if it's just because we get older and we get smarter and we can look into those things, but you read into a lot of those things now and they just kind of get under your skin now in the same way that House of Wax, the 2005 remake that we've talked about on this podcast, like opens with abuse of a child. And so it's just it really gets to you nowadays
1: it does it does so i gotta ask there's a question before we get into some more themes of this uh but is there anything there's a particular moment in the movie that just never has sat right with me i know why it's in there but in a sea of kind of almost realism it's the most unrealistic thing to me and it plays off excruciatingly silly. And watching it again, it's just like, oh, man, this is like the part I would cut out. <laughs> you know I'm what I'm talking th- about? No,
0: I'm trying to think of what it would be, but I, it's not
1: so it's when Jerry, the driver, goes into the house to search once again and he opens up the the meat freezer it's, right and Pam, Damn just pops out and wildly flails her arms, even though she's dead, you know, and it's supposed to be like, it's supposed to be like a jump scare, but that see that scene, when she like, when he opens it up and she just, he just doesn't see her dead in the freezer. He, he, she like pops out wildly and like waves her arm, like Kermit the frog dancing. And it's just like, Well, my God, that's that movie that 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 one moment still gets me. I'm like, oh, man, that doesn't make sense whatsoever, because immediately she's dead again.
0: Is she dead, though? Like, could it not be like he's saving her for later? Like he's like, obviously, at this point, she's already been in the meat hook and At that point, it just becomes drugs. Like, you're just completely hallucinating. You're numb to everything. And to me, that he, Leatherface, just stuck her in the freezer to either freeze out and die, but yet she's still, like, slightly alive. Like, there's some sort of consciousness there, but not enough. And so when he opens the freezer, like, yeah, she's flailing her arms and everything, but she's just, like, it's like she's just drugged out of her mind.
1: Is he... That's a possibility, but to me, I think hours had passed because they get there during the day, her death ha- or her meat hook happens during the day, and then it's almost pretty much nighttime by the time Jerry gets there. Her being on the meat hook had to have killed her. Like, she was she was probably on the meat hook for quite a while. So, be-
0: that's a lot of assumptions, though. We don't know. It, it is. It we don't sense. know. So, uh, I, I didn't take it as as a moment that was too far removed from what, what this movie establishes. So to me, I feel like there was some sort of artful approach. Everything that has gray spaces were colored in by the filmmaker and had some sort of intention behind it.
1: Okay. All right. I see your point. Uh, I mean, I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to, I'm going to check, but it. I guess just how it is. I mean, I know it's meant for the jump scare. Maybe it was her gasp, of, you know, the last gasp of air for her, you know, type of thing. So hopefully that's what it is. But that, all, that scene always like... Like you know. that's the moment
0: that her adrenaline completely goes away. Like okay. she was really hanging on to the moment that she could either establish that this shit's going down or that she could be, uh, someone could save her. But that was the last little bit of life that she had left in her and then it just came out that way like it just had to instantly communicate that this is fucked you're fucked
1: right there you go there you go okay um i when mean, we have to bring this up um because maybe you can explain it to me but A lot of criticism about this movie is for violence against women. And a lot of people have talked about it over the years. Like this movie is exploitation. It's violence against women. And I just don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe that at all because both men and women are killed here. And I think it was just a, uh, you know, partly maybe because Toby Hooper wanted a female heroine to survive in the end and yeah. maybe it was just, uh, you know, an occurrence of like, okay, the the first people went down and only a woman was left for um, – to be, you know, tortured for the long game. And so for violence against women, I think the guys equally got it too, you know, like Franklin, you know, got a chainsaw to the chest and cut up and <laughs> – You know, I mean, I think the easiest one out was the first guy. Uh, You know, he immediately went within a second, which was um, Kirk. But I think everybody was being tortured, don't you think? Yeah,
0: I feel like everybody was tortured. Yes, the men kind of go out quicker because it's like two hammers and a chainsaw and then one woman being placed on the hook and then the the final girl
1: but um, I, I do believe that the girl was placed on the hook solely because kirk had he just had two, died yeah
0: yeah he had two projects right there he had right. to put her on the side uh, yeah. so yeah that yeah the movie has like this snuff quality to it and everything but it's it's not I, to me it didn't come across that way i don't i didn't see it as some sort of like that was deliberately done for the sake of all of what the criticism has been saying over the years like I, I i don't think so i think that's just how the cards came out uh, were laid down and that we at the end of it we did have a strong final girl that escaped and was smart enough to escape and she's the strong one so she she is me, i read into that and Th- that's I think- what i
1: read into as well because she is able for those last 10 or 15 minutes of the dinner table scene is just pure terror yeah, and and
0: we don't know what's on the other side of her life after getting on the truck because it does have this uh that's the iconic moment of her escaping and laughing hysterically at being able to survive that like it's just but what, what is life going to be with uh, what is life for her after this i don't i don't want to imagine but she did it
1: right and so now we have to um, we have to talk about um, those the, the when she escapes she jumps out of the window she's running down the long drive in the middle of nowhere to the road and she's being chased by the hitchhiker who's constantly slashing her back with a knife and then um, Leatherface with the chainsaws right after her and after them and then you see this truck and out comes an amazing dude big dude and they're running that she sees this trucker and he sees what's happening to her he reaches for this like giant wrench and he throws it uh at Leatherface. uh before this he runs over the hitchhiker um with the 18 wheeler. So he's immediately gone, but he throws the wrench at leather face, almost point blank to his face. It causes leather face to fall down and his chainsaw to cut his leg open. Um, and this, gives Sally the opportunity to see another pickup truck come by, hop in the truck, the dude in the truck sees what's going on, picks her up and just heads off. And meanwhile, this truck driver is just still running. Like, I yeah. almost like we what happened to him? We... A... Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Maybe they're like, "All right, well we got him, so we'll we'll take it."
1: because you have to think that he got they caught up with him and killed him because wouldn't he have like said like hey like there there almost needs to be like a little immediate, comic book or like a just little
0: immediate sequel from yeah, that moment
1: and just like showcase like what happened to him so like maybe he ran and he got tired or maybe he went to like the law enforcement and they're in on it or something like that much like yeah. um uh a few other movies but that scene at the end hot with fuzz. her yeah hot fuzz where they're laughing at the end or where sally's laughing at the end and it's like she's laughing like oh my god, away haha <laughs> but then it turns into like a maniacal laughter because maybe she sees how angry in the tantrum that leatherface is having about it i don't know what what, what do you read into that
0: Yeah, it's like this graduate kind of moment where it has a duality to it. Um, And that's what makes it stick with you is that, um, yeah, you, you know, part of you can be like, oh, now she, she, it's kind of like when Franklin was stabbed or sliced by the hitchhiker. Like there's, there's this moment where you be, where he starts to talk about Do you think you could do that like even he's like kind of question thinking about the psychology and that's like her moment of that happening like where the whole movie she's trying to survive and like in this moment where she's finally safe and starts to think about his psychology a little bit is she going to be crazy now from this traumatic experience i don't know Uh, i'd like to think that maybe she tries to overcome it in a very she's going to have a sad life from that that point on but uh it's just a question that just is haunting and sticks with you and that's that's just another element another aspect as to why it's it's been uh it's a very lasting movie that has legs
1: it is. And so there's we've talked about so many shots in this movie and so many like great camera angles, you know, from even the camera, the the moving camera shot that goes under the swinging bench and follows as an upward shot looking Pam, at Pam, you know, with her, you know, little short shorts on and back. And it's just like it's sexy, but it's also scary as hell. Yeah. Um. And how that does that.
0: Because, you um, know, what's you know, what's in the house at this point? Because Kirk was killed.
1: Right. And then, but, like, probably one of the coolest, the coolest shots in cinema is the the last like ten seconds of the movie of Leatherface having his tantrum almost like a ballet of dance with his dancing chainsaw. in the golden
0: light.
1: Yeah. yeah like in that, that I could be like, just the gif of that over and over is still wonderful. And how they managed to get it at that perfect time, you know, like, just like, think about this new movie that's come out Babylon when they're trying to get that perfect shot, you know, and like that had to be this Texas chainsaw massacre shot. They're like waiting for the perfect sunlight, the sun going down that golden Amber, you know, in the distant pasture, with this, just it's beautiful. But then you just have this insane person with a chainsaw—that's the opposite of peaceful. <laughs> Going, you know, just having this melodic dance, you know.
0: Yeah, it's it's the moment that encapsulates the whole film because amid all the disturbances, there's art—an an art to it—and that's the movie. That's the movie because you're like, yes
1: because it's they not, do survive the guy, the bad guys survive they do ultimately win minus 1 you know
0: yeah yeah it break's even pretty much
1: and what do you think why why do you think um this movie was banned in so many countries like because we you know upon, upon Cause watching it's
0: so gra- it cuz so groundbreaking nobody has really seen anything quite like that where it just maintains that sense of unease at least in you know in the exorcist like you have a lot of talking you have things that are going on outside the room and and it's not until in the room that you're like oh my god um and this movie is like inside the room the entire time for the most part and some people just don't have the the stomach for it and they just would be like this is just going to upset a lot of people um And we're not going to take our chances with that. So to me, that's probably why.
1: And do you think this movie has like just. For new generations and new people coming to the movie, do you think that with horror movies today, do you think they would enjoy this or do you think this is just. You know, amongst like big movie buffs of new generations, but this is definitely not the norm for. You know, a modern horror movie such as like The Conjuring or Saw in a way, even though there are elements of that, this is just a much more brutal, more visceral, realistic horror movie. I don't know. What do you think audiences still clamor for it today? Like younger ones?
0: I would think so. I think there's a appetite for retro films or you know, things that kind of got things started and were revolutionary films. Because there's sometimes when you watch something that's, to me, sorry, I find Godfather a little bit boring sometimes. I find uh, Citizen Kane uh, kind of boring sometimes, um, but yet I recognize the iconic imagery, I recognize the great performances and there's so many things that, but to me with something like this, because it's so brisk and doesn't have a lot extra on it it just it knows what it wants to accomplish which is to make you feel uneasy and it does that and so I think that this movie will continue to disturb people as this like artifact of cinema that just has that innate ability to 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 do that after all these years, like, yeah, on one hand, it does feel like it's a snapshot of the seventies. It's a very seventies movie with the the hippie kids and everything, but you can still put pieces of yourselves in each of them and understand them in the same way that we've been explaining ourselves this whole podcast and finding the humanity in each, each person, um, except for the hitchhiker. Um, and so, yeah, I think people will still flock to it and find reasons to be scared and be haunted by it because uh, I, ha- I haven't seen a lot of the remakes and I know you have, you you uh, took a saw to the, the last uh, one that was on Netflix, uh, which I haven't seen, but I'm hopeful that it will continue because... Hello, it was the number one movie on that documentary series and, and it is casual, is constantly put on lists as either the most iconic horror images of all time or the most iconic horror movie of all time. And it's got the it's the title, man. There's just the, the Texas aspect of it, this, this uh, being out in the middle of nowhere, this rural area and the possibility of a whole town being in on it. There's so many different elements that, that make it and so it's just like this perfect cocktail of all those all those things.
1: It it is. It is. And uh, you know one of the last things we'll discuss here is um the the sound of the movie. So there's only like two yeah. movies you can really remember that are like iconic with a sound. One of those is Jaws with the two notes like doo doo. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. other one is the violin sound of the picture being taken that very recognizable right there. And it just, you know, that that sound, that eerie sound of the opening of the pictures being taken and you hear like the carving and cutting of bodies and bone and muscle. And it's just, there's something about that that makes you uneasy, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, even if you hadn't seen the movie a lot of people would recognize that sound like, oh yeah, that's from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Same way with uh, Friday the 13th with the kee um, You maybe haven't seen it, but you you know that sound. Uh, it's used in like TikTok videos at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just it, the whole sound throughout this movie, like ho- horror and sound are like synonymous. Like they're so important, such a very important ingredient of the genre um and this movie perfectly articulates that because it doesn't really have a score per se it does have like it has hums and like it sometimes it sounds like a drill bit hitting metal or something or just clashing of pots and pans um it's not a traditional score like Uh, A lot of horror movies today have where it's trying to elevate a feeling or has something to like maybe the image isn't communicating what it needs to communicate and they use score to kind of enhance the feeling and capture what the camera couldn't but here everything's there. Like it, the 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 way that it's edited and everything. Yeah, you
1: do. You don't need the music score. Like yeah. almost. Yeah, you don't need it because like even in part two, the sequel, Text Chainsaw Massacre Two, it went very punk rock, rock and roll soundtrack. You know, with songs and everything. Yeah. Very different. Very far cry from this. Uh, and I think it works. You know, like like Preston said, usually scores really enhance moments. It didn't need that here. It just needed that. <laughs> and you yeah. just know that's what's so good
0: about yeah it's a score of sound effects
1: that's what it is <laughs> that, that that is what it is um texas chainsaw massacre man it's still it from night from 50 years it still holds up like it really does
0: Yeah, I I agree one hundred percent. I let's talk. uh, Let's close out by talking about the individual discs that we have that have their own little nice supplements. Uh, So I have the four K release in the states that's now on sale. You can get it through Best Buy or Amazon, any online or store retailer. And it's, it has the original poster art on it. I like that this is something that's continuing with a lot of the like Fright Night just recently had a 4K last year, I believe. And it's the original poster art. Friday the 13th has been doing it with its anniversary releases. I just love that this is something that's coming to be because this is these are the artwork that we grew up with going to the video store and immediately wondering what these movies are about. And I like that it doesn't, it doesn't need to have the scream factory touch that has completely new. Uh, artwork I do love that artwork there's a lot of great artwork from that uh, so I'm not completely knocking it but I just like the original poster art on the new 4k release so uh, this one uh, the 4k itself looks great still has like the the grittiness to it so it doesn't lose that and so it it just feels like you're watching like a 35 millimeter uh, screening of it at at, at the movie theater the new feature that's on here is a feature-length documentary called "The Legacy of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre," and I watched it. And there's there's another documentary on here, the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre: and The Shocking Truth, which kind of is more of like an essay. It, it brings in like all these types. It feels like a news story, like a a, a documentary that's not just talking heads the entire time. So, um. This might be another reason why people want to buy this one is to watch this new documentary, but I was kind of let down with it. It is interesting to get people like Fide Alvarez, who did the new, the new Evil Dead movie from 10 years ago, and uh, Don't Breathe, and then you have um, Jamie, uh, uh, what's his name, not Jamie Banks, but the guy who did Urban Legend.
1: Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yes, 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 yes.
0: So that director, he's on here. So it feels to me like, so the same guy, his name's Philip. I can't think of his last name. Uh, So this Dark Skies, Dark Skies, Dark Sky Films release of this has this on here. And it was directed and edited and written by this Philip guy. And it feels like just a collection of talking head interviews, like just a bunch of interviews that... We're not like maybe all he said was just tell me your feelings about this movie and the way that it's cut together like it just feels random a lot of things don't always go like the topics are not when it jumps from one person to the next does not flow to me like somebody will be talking about one thing and another person will be talking and I'm like what the hell, why, um, but there is a lot of great information in it I love hearing people's perspective in the same way that maybe people are listening to our podcast to get our perspective on this film after all this time but i just didn't feel like it was a a well put together documentary it just it, it got to me a little bit and there's some parts where it would find its groove and it would have a good topic there that naturally came up and the director found it but it just feel felt like these um, these moments just kind of these themes kind of come up as the movie goes but it just didn't feel like it had an organic flow to it so i was kind of let down by that documentary but the look of it's good the packaging's great and all the additional or previously released supplements like commentaries that you can find on other releases are here um and which are still good and i still think that that uh, texas chainsaw massacre the shocking truth documentary is quite good with having the original actors on there kind of hearing what they have to say after all this time um, is really good. Um, So still, still worth getting, uh, but just kind of let down by the new feature attached to it.
1: Okay. Okay. I hear you. Yeah. You have that one. I have the German import one that came out uh, this last, last summer in June um, and it's from turbine median. It's a German uh, company that makes Blu-rays and 4Ks. And uh, this one, it came in a collection of different uh, steel books at the time, which I believe are all sold out. It's got a limited uh, edition slip case, and there's four different ones to choose from. Uh, this one is like new artwork, like commissioned artwork with leather face on it. It just looks really cool. But it also comes with a really awesome booklet um, with the movie that talks about it. It comes with three discs um and the video here with this turbine median it's so it's in 4k but it was not mastered in like dolby vision vision or hdr uh unfortunately so um it's it's kind of more like um an sdr presentation more than like the hdr that we see in most 4k stuff still it looks pretty good um it's it's a little darker, but the 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 colors are you know more nuanced this time around in and in a bit more detail in you know the 16 millimeter uh, camera stuff that they used. Um, well, the cool thing about this the the audio you have Dolby Atmos and like the DTS uh, 7.1 stuff, but it also comes with an ORO 3D 13.1 audio track too um i have not done the firmware update for that i need to so i can listen to it in that uh but oh my god that i mean that's a selling point right there but the dolby atmos here on this it sounds amazing um and then with this one i'm a certain like yours preston the one that's coming out in the u.s uh it comes with the four commentaries it has the shocking truth it has um flesh wounds um yes yeah so the
0: stories of the saw yeah the, the tour of the house yeah the family the,
1: portrait you know yeah all of that good stuff deleted
0: scenes outtakes an interview with uh john duggan
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, blooper reel steel gallery. So yeah, it has a lot of stuff. So th- this one comes with two discs. The 4k only has the four commentaries on it on the first disc. And the second one has all those extras, including the new uh, documentary.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's crazy. This is uh this is really, it's a good uh, addition to have. If you uh, are into blu rays and 4k, um, like steel books and physical media, check out turbine median um like the the name turbine and then median um is spelled um like m i e d i e n something like that it's not media but median but it's like turbine media but it's in um it's in german and there is like a an option to read everything in English, but they've released a lot of great stuff. And this was one of their good things. Um, and if you can find uh, one of these limited edition steel books, I highly suggest you find it because they are out of print and uh, right now and very hard to come by. Uh, or you can check out the upcoming American version coming out here uh, in a little bit. Uh in a, in a week or two. Uh, next week so probably by the time this podcast releases heck yes heck yes heck yes uh, that is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre we love this movie I can't believe we've never talked about it and it's so good still yeah. uh, it's, it's 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 a staple to watch around the Halloween time or really any time uh, and just revisit it see what we're talking about in this uh, right
0: yeah we're Texas boys so it's relevant 24 7 all
1: year round <laughs> it, 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 it is yeah. Uh, thank you for listening to my bloody podcast. We always love that you listen. Uh, tell your friends about us. Um, you can find Preston Barta. He's at freshfiction.tv. He's at the Denton Record Chronicle, writing them movie reviews, doing them interviews. He's on Instagram at Blu ray dad. He's on Twitter at Preston Barta, and he's on YouTube. Check him out. And uh, I'm Brian Kluger. Highdefdigest.com is where you can find me YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Brian Kluger, and you can check out our other podcast with our friend Dan Moran at Fear and Loathing in Cinema. We love you. Thank you.